With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And today we have a very special guest on. Um, Taylor Rooks is joining us, and I'm very excited to talk to Taylor. Taylor, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing amazing. I'm excited to talk to you guys. I am an avid Ball is Life follower, so happy to be here. (laughs) Oh, really? When you say avid, what? How how long are we talking? Oh, like... A while, at, at least since I was in college. So since 2014, 2013. Okay. All right. Yeah. Coming up on a decade. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So Tyler, I just wanted to start off, look, 2020 has been a wild one. Um, and I just wanted to ask, as we reflect back, what has been your shining moment or what have you been most happy or thankful or excited or whatever about mm-hmm. in 2020? And then what are you looking forward to moving, moving forward in 2021? Yeah. I mean, well, I would say first and foremost, health. I am just happy and grateful to be healthy, that my friends and family are healthy, and obviously wishing for health for everybody um, in the entire world. Um, As far as maybe professionally, I am super happy that I got to interview Barack Obama. That was a big moment for me. Um, I also enjoyed the work that I did in the bubble. Those were, those two things are probably really high moments for me. Um, Just feel like it was meaningful, important work. Uh, yeah. And then I'm sorry, was there, was there a back end to that? And then moving forward, 2021, like what's on the horizon for you? Mm, oh my goodness. It's so, it's crazy. Cause it's so hard to answer that. Cause you do not know what 2021 is going right? to look like, you know? <laughs> so I guess on the horizon, I hope there's some semblance of normalcy. That's my hope. Um, and if that's the case, I just, I really want to get back to having really in-depth, conversations with you know athletes and coaches that are hopefully in person i think so much of interviewing has to do with the environment and i don't know if a zoom and i'm sure you guys feel the same way i don't know if zoom interviews are always the exact same as like the in-person connection that you can get so hopefully on the horizon there is more of that I will say Zoom interviews are definitely different than in person. Um, as someone who just works like a normal quote unquote job, uh, what I've have found is that things that used to just be phone calls have now become Zoom calls where yeah, I have to exactly. It's gotta get on Zoom. Like, it's, like, it's like I know I'm pretty on occasion, but must we do this, right? <laughs> um, so how how has that affected your you know your job and what you do and how have you been able to adapt in terms of interviewing and kind of still extracting the quality you're looking for in those interviews 
Yeah, I mean, obviously I wish and hope um, that it is in person soon. But the thing I've kind of found about doing Zoom interviews, people are a little more inclined to say, yeah, only because it's so easy. You just like open your computer or turn on your phone and you talk to somebody for a little bit. Whereas with the show, you know, we're scheduling like when I get there and, you know, what's the location going to be? And like, there's just so many logistics that go into scheduling an in-person interview for the show. Um, And so that I have found to be really interesting. I also think people are more open to talking about their lives uh, during this time because everybody wants to feel connected. So I've tried to capitalize a lot on that with the content. And then obviously, like I mentioned up top in the bubble, that was such just like a hyper focused state because we were all there for so long, just us. And the content I think was just better because there were so few of us and so much better access. So things have definitely changed within this time. And I'm hoping that some of that carries over, you know, like I'm hoping that people see how easy it is to just do an interview and like answer some questions and let your fans feel more connected to you. That's something that I want to continue you know, past this pandemic. For sure. And it's been a pleasure watching your career unfold. It's been oh, really you. awesome. We've enjoyed it a lot. Um, with that said, I feel like you're living your dream. I feel like you're reaching your goals and everything you set out for yourself. Barack Obama, I mean, getting that potential, I mean, being able to make that happen, <laughs> that had to have been interviewing people you've been interviewing people for a long long time now i mean that had to been towards the top right i mean is that the pinnacle did you reach it already it's the top truly like i (laughs) was smiling so hard in that interview i thought my face was gonna fall off it's funny because he comes on your screen and for a minute you're like I am on a Zoom with Barack Obama. Like it's, for a minute, it takes a second. Cause if you watch my face when he comes on, I like pause before I can even say hi. Cause it's like hits you for a minute. And then my next thought was like, what do I call him? Like, is it Mr. President? Is it Mr. Barack Obama? Like there was all these things going through my mind. But no, that was, that was super, super cool. Uh, The only other person like I really want to interview one day and haven't had like a sit down interview with is Serena Williams. So. Oh man, she's. We can can manifest that. I personally think till the death of me, I like, I get in deep, deep, drawn out fights about Serena being like the greatest athlete period ever. Of all time. (laughs) Of all time. She's the GOAT. She's the best. And so I just, I would love to really just have a, a conversation with her. That's, that's definitely bucket list for me. Is that the only person on your bucket list that's left after That'd Barack? be crazy if that's it. No, I keep telling people <laughs> I want to sit down with Kawhi. Not oh. because it's like bucket list, just because it's something I really want to do. Like I want someone to talk to Kawhi. Like, actually talk to Kawhi. Like a 30-minute in-depth, get inside there. What's going on? Totally. That's something I would love to do as well. And those those are the two that that stick out to me. Also, I mean, Michelle Obama, of course, is another one. It's like, hey, and this one, I'm a Barack. I want to get Michelle, too. Um, Who else really sticks out to me? Those are the ones I can, I really can think of. I mean, I remember being so happy when I met Michael Vick, like, I'm a Southern, I'm a Falcons fan, you and me, Vic. Um, I remember being hyped when I met Allen Iverson. Um, there's just a lot of people I've met been like, oh my God, it's so cool that I, that I get to, you know, work with them. So 
Yes, a lot of people come to mind, but those are the ones that I'm like, when that day happens, everyone will know because I will probably post about it for <laughs> a billion years. <laughs> so to kind of tack on to that, I was going to ask, is there anyone from, um, I don't know if you're from Atlanta necessarily, but you are from Georgia. So I'm, I'm assuming you're an Atlanta sports, right? So, cause like I'm from Houston and sometimes people are like, yo, I know someone in this random suburb that is not yeah, actually like, Houston, not. <laughs> right? It's yeah, like, so I'm it's not... from the suburbs of Atlanta, but Atlanta sports fan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was going to ask homegrown, who would it be? And I think you answered that with Vic. Um, yeah. but, but moving kind of, I guess, onto that, um, or Julio, ever, I would Julio would be cool too. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was gonna ask how. Look, I'm a I'm a Houston sports fan. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but we are going through it right now with one man I named know. James Harden, right? Yeah, and he's quite emotional. If you can't tell, it's just. It's yeah, I'm like I'm bipolar with it, right? One day I'm like, nah, yeah. he's gonna buy in. We're good, and then the next day I'm like, trade him, man. It's over. We're done. But and there's just like so many different reports all the time that it's hard to be like, what's going on? It's like he does want to be there. He's not interested in playing with John Wall, but he's gonna play tonight. It's like, well, what's happening? Yeah. Right, and then and then like you know we flip back and forth because you know I'll be like, well, hey, I'm not believing it unless it comes from Woj, and then it comes yeah. from Woj. And then it comes from Woj, and I'm like, nah, Woj got it from some, you know, Ramon is tripping. Like, it's, I, so I just go back and forth. <laughs> but but um, I guess to kind of move on from that, I was going to ask, what is it like being an Atlanta sports fan? Because I felt nothing but pain for years as a Houston sports fan. Zach is uh, a Minnesota. I just, I, all I know is pain. I don't know anything other than pain where well, this is our, like, you at least get a little session, taste of greatness. Right, right. This and is to, our therapy to, session. Um, it sucks, as I'm sure you both um, can attest to. The thing that really takes out to me the most, like, obviously now, because we have the Super Bowl, everyone's constantly talking about how we always lose. So when we have these games where we're up until two minutes in the fourth, and then we somehow lose it because it feels like people don't know how to do an onside kick, they don't know the rules, <laughs> then it's like, well, shit, now we are the team that always loses. You know, it's like we, are, we can't get out of our own way because there's tons of teams that that happens to. But it just feels like it's happening at such a high clip with the, with the Falcons. So it sucks. But listen, just statistically and numbers wise, I will see the Falcons win a Super Bowl in my lifetime. I have to. I like, pray you do. Football is cyclical. Like people go on top, they go on the bottom. I they all deserve Falcons, it. Yeah. The fact that the Falcons were even in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago is like, I don't know if I'd see that. So just give it a little more time. <laughs> and I was going to say, it's probably not coincidence that the 28-3 lead was blown at a Super Bowl played in Houston, because we blow, we blow it, you know? So, like, I just thought the that curse. was all, yeah, the curse, <laughs> just all too perfect. Eight years old, I mean, right? You were probably eight when they won, the Falcons won yeah. around that time. Well, we, we need a Super Bowl championship. That's a thing that right. is yet to happen. The Falcons, didn't no, they win the No, dude, they lost to the Broncos. Jamal Anderson, Dirty Bird, yeah. baby. No, I it's just, yet to happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. as a Vikings fan, Gary Anderson. I was, I was yeah. no age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only, the only time Atlanta sports, uh, at least as far as I can tell or remember, has been relevant is the Braves. Are you a Braves fan by any chance? Oh, no. I, like, if the Braves are doing well, I'm like, cool, that's great. You know, just because it's the, it's the hometown team. But I'm a Cardinals fan. But like, honestly, when they lost, Ooh. I was like... Uh, Cardinals are the best, uh, but no. So Braves, it's like I hope they do well. But you know, when I was growing up, we had Chipper Jones, and so people were really into the Braves. Like I definitely feel like I saw Atlanta sports heyday as I grew up living in Georgia. Very good. So today you got to interview a guy who never interviews. It seems like another elusive 
fellow in Kyrie Irving. Let's let's hear how that went down. And yeah, so he did his... the media pool, um, and so talked talk to all the media members, and he was great. I mean, he wasn't rude. He answered everyone's questions in depth. He ended saying like, "Hey, y'all, be well. Great to talk to you. Thank you." Like. <laughs> In his very zen Kyrie way. Um, but yeah, no, he was great. And then Steve Nash was after him. Oh, sorry. And Steve Nash was, you know, kind of asked about Kyrie's comments about the media and whether or not he had spoken to Kyrie about that. And Steve was like, I mean, no, because I wanted to give Kyrie the space to figure that out on his own. Like maybe I should have, and maybe I would have if it was, you know, my second or third year. But right now I just wanted him to do what, you know, felt was right for him. And Kyrie came out and he spoke. I do think, though, in some ways, he was a bit misconstrued on his comments and what he said about the media, because apparently he meant he wasn't going to speak to the media during that media week time, you know? Not that he wasn't going to speak to the media at all. That is what the statement was kind of rectified as. Um, so, but he was, he was great today. Do you think he's going to continue or just it's going to be Kyrie anytime he wants to? He'll, he'll, he'll pick he'll and choose. Again. I think he'll talk <laughs> I mean, for sure. I, it's I just think, such a dangerous I game. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, I just think it becomes a bit of a slippery slope. Um, but I, I think that a lot of athletes sometimes are like, I don't feel like talking today. But they also recognize that it's a part of it. I think every cog of the machine is necessary for the machine to keep working. And the media is a necessary part of that machine. Like fans consume what the media gives them. And I understand that some people might feel like it's not totally necessary because you have the athlete on Twitter and Instagram and they have their own YouTubes and stuff, but you still need a person who asks questions. That's a Mm -hmm. very necessary part um, of this game. And you need someone who brings content with high production and can keep you engaged. Like there's a reason fans have some of their favorite sports personalities because you want to talk about sports a lot. And so when you want to talk about have discussions, you maybe turn someone on who's doing that same thing. So it's, it's a part of it and it really does drive interest in the league and, you know, it makes you want to watch and create storylines that we all, you know, love so much, you know, like it's, it really is important. I don't really know if Kyrie was trying to say that it wasn't important. I just think that in that week, for whatever, um, he decided to, to say that. But I think that Fair. he will talk as we move forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I completely agree with you, right? Like, in order for the machine to work, every kind of cog has to have its its role and has to be respected. Yeah. I mean, if you think back to what the NBA was when it was still growing – the reason that probably people like all three of us are fans is because of, you know, what the media packaged and sold us in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's also in their, in their contract. So it kind of like, it's a, it's, it's cyclical in, in the way that the media creates the product, the product feeds the media and everyone keeps winning. So yeah. I hope he kind of abandons, I don't know, not talking. I hope he does it, but I was going to ask, what was your impression? Um, I'm really interested to see Steve Nash and how he handles yeah. the season. And like, what was your impression kind of hearing from him, speaking to him? Yeah, it was great. And I'm excited to watch Steve Nash as well. You know, I think, you know, one of the great things is when your team respects you, you know, as a coach, it's great. You're going to always have the locker room. The cool thing about Steve Nash is they respect him as a coach and a player. When he tells mm-hmm. them things, they're going to be like, he knows. I'm going to listen. I think there will be a great synergy between the team 
and with Steve Nash. He was great in the press conference, but he's great always. Like he just has such a nice demeanor about him and the Nets are going to be so good. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. when people watch, they're like, all right, Kevin's back. Because he hadn't been playing, I think some people kind of forget, like, he is in that conversation for the greatest. Like, he's, he's there. But, you know, we talk about so many other things that sometimes you forget or he's not playing, so you forget. But as we ha- watch this season, I think we'll all understand, like, that he's back. Well, not to refute that at all. Uh, I've had a couple run-ins on Twitter with Kevin Durant. Uh, the most recent was when <laughs> <laughs> the most recent I didn't even mention his name. Literally, I just I just made a tweet about the 2016-17 Oklahoma City Thunder and you know how they blew the three-one lead, mm-hmm. and somehow he found it. He doesn't follow me or anything like that. Somehow he found it and he just responds and it like blew blew Twitter up um, on that given day. But what I will say, say, I think I just said something something to the effect of. Imagine how differently league history plays out if Oklahoma City doesn't blow that three-one lead, oh. um, which which I which I still which I still believe in. I mean, look if they win that right. if they win that series, they very well could have gone on to win the title, and like everything is different. Westbrook and KD are both extended in Oklahoma City, and so many you know Golden State doesn't get KD. Who knows what happens with the dynasty? All that kind of stuff. So, but he he found that tweet. He took exception to that tweet and responded to it. But I was going to say he has a lot more work to do in my opinion, to be the greatest of no, all time? No, she's talking currently, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, in the li- yeah. Okay, oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought we were talking GOAT. And I was going to ask you. smarter than that, dude. I was going to ask you who your GOATs are if you have one, many, several undecided in basketball specifically, uh, the NBA. That's just insulting to think that. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I get, trust me, I get it. And it, but I'm like, if I say Michael, it's like, oh, whatever, I say LeBron, it's like, all right, I'm Michael. And it's like, I don't know if it necessarily has to be like an or. Like, I don't get why there can't be two. You know what I mean? Like, I just. I think that makes sense. Because we're going to have a perpetual disagreement on this. No one is like, there's never going to be this complete consensus on who it is. And if you really think about it, for something to be the greatest, doesn't there have to be a consensus? Because like, That's if you point. think he's the greatest and I think he's the great, like if you say MJ and I say LeBron, then who's the greatest? Like, do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, I do, I do. No, that's a great it point. It can be plural. There can be a pasture of goats yeah, just wandering I, around. I think that we have, <laughs> I think that just, then it becomes, well, this person does this thing bad and that's why they're not. And then it's just like, so I really don't know if I have an answer. It's all right. Um, but and I, I also think that LeBron has more left. You know, we don't. LeBron's we got have, a lot more left. Yeah, careers have to be completely finished for us to say that. And there are always going to be the people that say, "Well, basketball used to be played differently, so you can't even really say it." Like LeBron could have never played in Jordan's era. Like, there's always going to be a caveat to both arguments. But Jordan yeah. played against plumbers. I've heard that one. There's yeah. everyone's everyone's got something different to say. But but you know with there that- are people like people do believe kevin's the greatest i interviewed anthony edwards before he was drafted yeah and i was like who's the goat <laughs> and I, he goes kevin i said more than lebron he said yeah i said more than jordan say yeah he's like it's it's kd and there's a lot of people that do think he's the greatest of all time and i think a lot of those people um are that younger generation right. um but they believe wholeheartedly and sorry if you hear my dog in the background what kind of dog golden doodle Oh, very cute. I got two of them myself. I'm surprised that they're not barking right now, honestly. But um, (laughs) I was going to say that when it comes to the younger generation, 
So like we're talking, I don't even put stock into what those gentlemen say just yet because they don't even know. Like, have you seen these videos where they'll play like Destiny's Child and they're like, what song, you know, <laughs> what, what group song is, this? is that? Yeah. Very, very upsetting. <laughs> yes, very, very upsetting. much so. How do you think this upcoming season is going to be in terms of affecting your job and what you do uh, compared to the bubble? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I keep telling people like the bubble was my favorite thing I've ever done. That's it awesome. It was just, there's never going to be anything like it. You, you crushed know? it, yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you. There was, there's just never gonna be. I said this in that GQ article I wrote. It was literally like summer camp, but like every day you watch the best basketball in the world, <laughs> and like you were completely safe. It was crazy, um, and so I'm going to miss that. Just like access that walking to practice because it's next door getting on a bus and taking an eight minute ride and being at the game like I'm going to miss that environment um it was it was really cool I feel like everybody that was there just kind of feels like we were in this fraternity because there were so few of us um but I mean so so much is going to change we were around the players all the time like you watch the game from the sideline it was nuts so that's not going to be the same for quite some time. I also think moving forward, things will be on Zoom a lot. Like post-game press conferences will be on Zoom. Uh, practice press conferences will be on Zoom. But I think that, like I said, you'll be able to get a bit more one-on-one access through Zoom if you'd like. But things are definitely going to be different. I mean, one thing that I think is good is I'm not technically like a beat reporter, so I wouldn't be going to games and get going in the scrum to get interviews. I would be setting interviews up and doing them separately. Um, and so maybe there'll be less restrictions on things like that, and I could still do the one-on-ones, but there's just so many, I don't know, so many things are in there. So you made a great point, the fraternity feeling, and even from the outside looking in and all the players we've talked to, it's like, it seems like because you're so confined to these walls and being stuck inside this magical place that, I mean, from the player perspective, you had to get closer with your teammates. You had to get closer with other people around you. You had to open up somehow, pick up a new hobby, become a vlogger. Um, you <laughs> yeah. allowed more access, people into your life. Fans got to know you even more. And then from like a media perspective, like, um, yourself and many others that were there, like I feel like you went up a level for the dedication, the grind that you went through, but also just the respect thing. I mean, the fact that you went through that and um, the fact of being more inside access than ever, um, just mm-hmm. leveling up. And I think that was a huge cornerstone and turning point. Is that, I mean, do you feel the same way or? Yeah, I do because, you know, we really had to, I don't want to say we, I want to speak for everybody. Um, but I feel like I really had to push myself in terms of the content. You know, I wanted to ask the questions that people wanted answers to. I wanted to also do fun things like playing heads up with the guys. For sure. you know, I wanted to vlog. I, my goal going in was I wanted everybody who follows the work to feel like they were in the bubble. And, you know, the best way to do that was to vlog. It was to tweet all the time. I was tweeting things constantly. I was putting out videos. And it was really cool to see, like, the smallest things are what people really cared about. To, to me, the best stuff happened like before and after the press conferences, you know, like when AD trying to rush LeBron to the bus, you know, or when Jimmy Butler is walking off the court and sees Pat Riley and says, you know, you're, you're old, but you're healthy. We don't got to worry about <laughs> you having a heart attack. Like there's all of these really good moments that I think people really 
connected with. Um, because since, like I said, it was such a hyper-focused environment, you really got to see what the players were like. And so I just wanted everyone to go on that same journey along, you know, with all of us that were in sure. there. Like, like there's no such thing as posting too much. Like you're in a bubble and people want to know what's going on. So yeah. I think literally my time just spiked uh, from being there. I was on there so much. That's awesome. But, and I, I've said this a lot of times, you really go through, like I was sad leaving the bubble. Um, First person I've heard that though. That's impressive. (laughs) Yeah, I was sad because it was just so memorable. And I think you don't really realize when you're living through historical moments because you're in the moment. Like obviously, even right now, we're in a pandemic and we get that it's a big deal. But I don't know if we really understand that like in 15 years, there will be like history books that people learn in school that are just about this year. For sure. You know, like we, and we will be able to say to our future kids, like, oh, I I was there for that. This is what it was like. This is where I was when I shut down the NBA. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different things. Um, And so to make that even smaller and being in this historical moment of the bubble, and there's only a couple thousand people that can tell you what that was actually like, um it's just a really cool a really cool thing so i was just like sad for for it to end very good and that's awesome to hear what what was that day like when uh milwaukee and orlando refused to play can you kind of walk us through like crazy how that broke down for you i just remember being there and no one was on the court when they were supposed to be on the court and we're all like looking around and then everyone rushes back to the bucks locker room and we're waiting for something to happen. We find out the game is not going to take place. Then, like, we'll see the players, like, leaving the locker room to go to the bathroom and stuff, but we're being told that we cannot speak to them. We're all trying to, like, you know, call our contacts, text our contacts, be like, hey, is your game happening? Is your game happening? Then eventually we're told that all the games are postponed. Then we're told that the Bucks are not going to come out and make a statement. We're welcome to stay. Then an hour later we're told the Bucks are going to make a statement. Then we've been out there for so long that they're asking if we want water, food. Like we were out there for over four hours. And then the, we could hear noises in the locker room. Like they were on the phone with someone. Turns out they were on the phone with like lawmakers in Wisconsin. Then they come out and George Hill and Sterling Brown make a statement. And then we're all looking at each other like, are we going home tomorrow? Is the bubble going to be over? <laughs> like there was this, it was this a crazy day. Yep. Um, that lasted forever, but also felt short. You know what I mean? Because just like all the emotions were so high and then kind of walking around our little campus area and knowing that like that meeting was taking place like right in that building. Um, it was wild. It was a wild day. Yeah, it was a really wild day. So I want to rewind a little bit. Um, want to ask you, what was it like or when did you know that you were in making it in the sports media world. Like when was that moment that you felt like you belonged? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I'm still like, Oh, there's so much more I want to do. Um, I would say maybe when I got my own show, um, cause that's like, I mean, doing a show that is like for sure quite the task to have to do all the time. And I also executive produce the show. I book the show. I host the show. Um, but I, w- I would say that and like when people were really like interested in the content, you know, like people really wanted to know who was coming on next week and like 
what the conversations were. And back when I was at SNY and I was doing the podcast and people kept like pulling clips from the little podcast I was doing, that felt like a really cool moment. And I was like, you know, if you ask the right questions, people will find your work. And so I started to put a lot of focus on just like the questions that I ask and the research that I do and the feeling that I want the interviews to give others. Um, so I would probably say the show, but the first like moment I was like, okay, this has gotten crazy was the interview I did with Michael Beasley, where we were talking about the, I remember that it was like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, this whole internet thing is nuts because that was really the first time that something I did like went like quote unquote viral. And it was like a lot going on. Um, so yeah, I remember that that very vividly. Usually when something goes viral, there's like that one tweet or that one account where you're like, oh shit, they just retweeted it. That thing's about to pop off. What was like, did you have a moment like that where you were like, oh my goodness, that yeah, person? Yeah, well, it's so funny because actually I remember Bala's Live tweeted it. There you go. <laughs> um, I distinctly remember that. And then I, and then it was like Bala's Live also tweeted it like the next year or something like yeah, it was yeah. like a year later anniversary time yeah but the one i really remember is house of highlights because <laughs> mm. once house of highlights put it up i just saw it was everywhere and then just a bunch of just people were tweeting it you know nba twitter had it everywhere yep. so yeah it was crazy time crazy that, that was like i don't know three years ago yeah three years ago Two-part question, who are some of your funniest interviews ever, funniest interview moments, and then just your favorites, I guess, like just a couple. I mean, I'd have to say, I mean, I feel like I have to put Michael Beasley in there. Um, Michael Beasley was great, such a great interview, super thoughtful. Like the interview was so much longer than just that clip, and he was fantastic in it. I really enjoyed that. Funniest moment, I mean, it wasn't an interview, but I loved doing the Heads Up series um, in the bubble. Like, Josh Hart was hilarious. Jamal Murray was hilarious. Uh, Kelly, ooh, Kelly Uber was hilarious. Kimba Walker was hilarious. John Moran was so bad at it. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, so those, those definitely stick out the most. And, like, I don't know, people always ask me my favorite interview I know it's cheating to say like they're all my favorites, but they really right. are. Like I just have things that I enjoyed about all of them or things that I learned. And um, I would say the most fun one to shoot was Tyler Hero because we were on a yacht. Yeah, that was uh, crazy. Yeah, that, was awesome. that was the most fun one to shoot for sure. And he rapped and he like showed me some like tracks in his phone and then Kendrick Nunn hats. It was just a cool, it was a very Tyler Hero interview. I wanted to ask, <laughs> I wanted yeah. to ask if those were any good because I saw that and you're right, we can't hear it. I was, you hear think like he was good, Roosh? Tyler got a little flow to him. He got a little flow. <laughs> he, uh, he, he seemed to have, you know, he only spit like three or four lines. I, he said something like dripping down to my socks and I was like, yeah. oh, okay. He's like, out of Miami, right on a yacht. Tyler is more like a mop. Okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah, you <know>, sign me. <laughs> yeah, hey. No, Rush has been trying to battle him for a little bit now. So. Next up. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what have been what have been the toughest challenges in this world as a woman through this experience and making it as a woman here? Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's uh, there's so many, right? But one thing I always try to tell myself every day is like I think that there are some really great things, you know about being a woman like women in general are just strong resilient smart beings and 
I think a lot of that translates into the work we do. I love hearing so many people say that their favorite sports personalities are like a lot of the women, whether it's Maria Taylor or Rachel Nichols or Ramona Shelburne or Doris Burke or Carrie Champion. Like for sure, people care deeply about what we have to say in this space, which is great because we're not like in addition to the sports space. I think we're a necessary part of it. Um, and I think people kind of trust women more. I think that's one of the reasons that these interviews work well for me is you, you trust women. Um, but as far as challenges, I think always kind of being seen as, you know, what you are instead of what you do. Like people see me as a woman first and journalist second. Um, people caring so deeply about what I look like um, and people almost, it's such like a focus on it that I feel like they're not hearing what we're saying. And I think really, if you opened your ears, you'd be like, this was actually a really good interview. You know, if you weren't so pressed to comment, like I'd risk it all. You know what I mean? Like there's, you probably really see that we have such good things to say and it happens to all of us. Right. And I think that throughout, you just, you learn to to deal with it and be like this is what the internet is not rich's looks but uh. yeah but but but, but um yeah so it's i yeah i guess it's just kind of a part of it but you keep going and you do good work and you i don't really care about that because you have such like the respect of your peers and the people sure. that you interview and that's the thing that matters but yeah, there's obviously challenges, but there there are so many, you know, advantages and great parts about it as well. Who are some of the people that you look up to, uh, male, female, doesn't matter in, in this yeah. uh, field? Oh, I mean, so many. Like, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I look up to everyone because I understand what it takes to do this. And anybody in this space, I'm like, I get it. I see you. Like, what? Like, podcasters beat writers those that are on air like it takes a lot you know to, the grind is the grind absolutely so i look up to all of you i look up to to everyone um there are obviously people who have really you know mentored me whether it's gary champion or bamani jones you know i think hello Torre is fantastic i love mina kimes i love kitty nolan um i mean i love shay serrano i love so many different people that that are in sports media but it, yeah it's cool like you know I'm sure you guys know, like, there's just some things that the only other people that will get it are people that are with media, <laughs> you know? And so you just, you got to have those people that you kind of lean on and can talk to about certain things. It's important. No, it's pretty cool having these conversations and then following these people, following yourself. And then a couple of years later, these goals out of this world goals come true. Like just watching the grind play out. And that's the coolest thing about this business in my estimation. I mean, I interviewed... Yeah. Maria Taylor, you mentioned her a couple of years ago. And uh, I mean, she was just getting started off in college football and whatnot. And she said her lifelong dream, her biggest goal was to be at the NBA finals. Sure as shit enough, last NBA yeah. finals, she <laughs> yeah. was there. No, uh, it's great. Pretty amazing. It's great. Yeah. And I think that's, it's super cool because, you know, Maria is someone I talk to often. Roz is someone I talk to often. And we really have each other to just talk through things. And both of them, you know, they set goals and those goals came to fruition. And that is, that's a really beautiful thing to watch. So I agree. 
So outside of major interviews that you want to accomplish, even though you've basically accomplished 95% of them already, which is pretty amazing. Um, do you have any other major checkpoints that you want to accomplish, um, whether it be like an NBA finals, uh, certain interview that you haven't done yet or any just big event that you want to do anything like that? I don't know if I really have like a big event in mind. I know I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I gotta think about that. I don't know if one really comes to mind. I know I would love to like write a book one day. Um, mm. On what? I think I more so wanted to be a book of essays, um, and less so like a book about an event. I just want to more so write a book of essay. I don't know if you ever read like Trick Mirror by Gio Tolentino or Thick by Tyson Millen Cotton. Like they are books that are, like there's different topics. Like there might be there an again. essay in there about the bubble, you know. But it's just like it's more scattered and less of like a memoir. It's just like books of essays about experiences. That would be something I really like. I enjoy writing. So yeah, that's, but I'll get back to you if I think of an event. All right. Yeah. No, <laughs> the book works. The book's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, we really appreciate it, Taylor. That's an awesome yeah, interview no, no and problem. really fun. We'll have you on again down the road here. But I wanted really to ask, uh, Taylor, you got a Christmas tree. So I figured you like Christmas movies, top three Christmas movies real quick. Ooh. Oh my goodness. Oh. Not a banger. Don't blow it. I know. I'm trying to think quickly because I don't have time. <laughs> um, okay. I love Elf. Okay. Yeah. I love Peter's Wife. Okay. I love, I mean, there, I think of so many. Love Home Alone. Love Thank you. Story. Thank you. There's I just so many. And I, I like- know I'm missing some. I know I'm missing some because I'm put on a spot, but lo- I love it. Christmas movie. <laughs> well, Taylor, have a Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank My name you. is Roosh Williams, Zach Noble, Taylor, we appreciate it. And if you can uh, share on social media when we post it, we'd really Absolutely. appreciate it. Absolutely. I got so, you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Take care, Taylor. Bye, guys. Have, have an awesome night. Yeah. Enjoy the season.